Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Vera Sage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we are doing the subscription economy update, the 2023 edition. Ed, I can't believe it's been over a year since we did this. Almost two. I mean, it was February of 2022 that we did our last subscription update. Now, we've covered subscription com- topics, but where we specifically set aside the episode to a subscription economy update, it was February of 2022. Oh, wow. Well, there's a lot to talk about, mostly um, just the reaction that we're getting you know, from people mm-hmm. when we speak at conferences and the kind of questions that we're getting. And of course, listeners have been sending us questions. I've been having conference calls with people asking me about, uh, you know, how, how, how could they adopt subscription? Sometimes it's professional firms. Sometimes it's not spoke to a very interesting woman yesterday from Perth, Australia. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, she had read times up and, um, she teaches people how they learn, which is really interesting. Um, and she kind of walked me through the process, but, uh, you know, she was wondering how could I apply subscription to this model, primary targets being students and teachers, mm-hmm. possibly professionals and hospitals and things like that. And, um, maybe military, but, and I couldn't, I couldn't tease out a subscription model. I said, you gotta, you're probably just better off productizing a service. People can download, you know, a workbook, a course, maybe a few courses, Maybe subscription for ongoing consulting, but it's kind of a one and done thing. Mm. And that's really hard to turn into a subscription. Um, you know, we get this challenge all the time, right? How would you do this for a funeral, Paul? Or how would you do it for a real estate agent? Things that are far more transactional, one and done. And I have to concede, I don't have an answer to it yet. I think we maybe we just haven't given enough thought to it, but um maybe some of these, some businesses just don't fit a subscription model because the theme is recurring revenue, right? I mean, this is evergreen for lawyers, accountants. I mean, people are always going to need us, but some businesses, eh, it's just a one and done. Well, my joke is when, when I say is divorce attorney, you don't, you don't want to have a divorce attorney on subscription. I mean, it's not really good for future relationships. Hey, I just wanted you to meet my divorce <laughs> attorney subs- that I subscribe to. Just, here's, my, you know. here's my DPC doc. Here's my divorce <laughs> yeah, attorney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, really, not really the way you want to lead with a relationship yeah, there. So, yeah, yeah. But, although, but although family law, you could, I mean, you could justify it under family law. And uh, I mean, there are ways around it, I think. And, and, and there has to be creative. Creative application, even a funeral uh, situation. You know, if if somebody is there, you could just subscribe to that. They include the the funeral services, all of the graveside stuff that you're really paying for in advance. I know this because I worked with a company that wrote software for cemeteries, 
Yes, yes. And and the, what is so, so so interesting about that is you want to talk long term. I mean, they their their long term is a hundred years. I mean, their their short term thinking is ten years. That's the short term for them. Yep. Yep. I mean, their leases are 99 years, right? I don't yes. know about all yeah. countries, but here I think it's a 99 year lease on a plot. Yep. Yeah. And um, believe it or not, in Australia, because that's where this company was based, all cemeteries are owned by the government. Mm. Interesting. Just, there's no private cemeteries in Australia. Wow. Um, yeah. No, look, I, I think funeral, funeral parlors could be partly insurance. You know, mm-hmm. They could yeah. say to a family, Hey, you know, subscribe. And if anything happens tragically, you know, everything's covered type of thing. Um, But, you know, some, some, I can't wrap my brain around some of these things. So productized services, I still think is a viable option as, you know, we still say value pricing is a, is a viable business. Oh, sure. Well. There's always going to be th- th- these options. I don't. I, I don't think, unlike Tinzo, that you know his quote about everything is going to be subscription. I don't. I don't. I don't see that to be the case. I think, but I will say this: having the conversation about how an organization would shift to subscription is helpful, regardless. I agree. I was just going to say that having these having these examples thrown at us and just kind of like cl- climbing Mount Everest. And then when you go back to lawyers or accountants or other financial, you know, professionals, it, it, it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you guys have it made because you're you're needed, you know, on a regular basis. You do deliver recurring revenue. You know, it's right. not just a transaction. So um, and I guess that kind of brings us to our first article Ed, that I want to look at. I know you got this. We both got this, I think, from Hector. We did. So hat, hat tip to uh, Hector Garcia for sending this in. It's from Axios. It's by Eric Pan- Erica Pandley or Pandy. And she says, how the ballooning subscription economy reduces consumer choice. That That headline alone, I read that and said, Oh, I can't wait to see the evidence for this. Mm. And she starts out by saying, you know, the the transition to subscription takes away consumer choice. Okay. That's quite a statement. And then she points out car washes, pet toys, meals, personal care, makeup, grooming, Taco Bell, even, right? No Uh, one's proven to me that they've been able to successfully do that. Eat a taco a day for a month. No one has proven that to me. So just so we're aware. Especially a Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And and she says, uh, she cites a study half, and I did not go look at this. I meant to half of consumers would prefer to pay as they go, according to Deloitte. Um, But companies are leaving them little choice. Many hotels are offering subscriptions where services that were once provided, you know, like room cleaning and change of towels and all of that, it now is only going to be offered to subscribers. Ed, we've been following this topic for what, five years? I have yet to see this. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked about certain hotels offering a subscription plan to like digital nomads and things like that and re-gearing some of their hotel rooms for, you know, people that that want to work uh, from hotels in different places. But I've never heard of this, so I don't know where she pulled that. Um, and then she points out the average consumer spends two nineteen a month uh, on subscriptions, but they're only aware of forty percent of that spending. Um, I look, I, I really question that. If people don't know what they're spending, you know, give me a break. That's not going to last forever. 
I mean, that might be true for a while, but it's I just right. the, the, the people are it, this is people are idiots, um, you know, argument. Yes. Well, and it's likely that people do forget that they have subscriptions to certain sure. things. I'm sure that that happens. And, and you know, we've talked we've documented that and we've talked about Netflix where, where they they shut people down and said, hey, listen, we're not going to continue to take your money without you using the service at all. So, I you know, I think that there's some pluses there. I just think that this whole article is was written as a hit piece against subscription is really the way that I would would describe it. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, I t- totally agree. I mean, her, she says the longer term impact could be could be to reinforce economic inequities. I mean, anytime I see that, it's like <laughs> all the examples she gave of makeup and meals and grooming and all of this stuff, that's in addition, that's another choice. Mm-hmm. You can do that or you can do the one and done, pay as you go. Mm-hmm. None of these companies that do these, well, there's probably a few in like makeup and things, but th- they're all hybrids car washes or hybrids you know some of them i think are subscription only now but i bet the vast majority of them are still hybrids yeah and you know i think she's she's got a spin here on this where where it's hey look at this this is all of the detrimental things that are are being are happening in the subscription because it's it's better for people to forget this stuff when she doesn't put it the other way yeah you're going to pay higher prices because you're doing it this way well, no, you could also say that you're lo- get, get, given the choice of a lower price if you if you don't do it this way. I mean, it's all it, it's it's completely, I think, skewed one way. It's how you frame it, right? I mean, yes. Here, here's an interesting question: Is Ed Kless paying more for his robot vacuum cleaner than he would if he just did pay as you go? I'm sure the answer is yes. Uh, maybe, 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 yeah. You're forgetting. You're forgetting. The answer is always transaction cost. Transaction the answer is always cost. transaction cost. The transaction cost of subscribing just fall completely, not completely away, but you know, are incredibly mitigated mm-hmm. under this model. And um, it, it, so she says, those who are uh, deemed not profitable won't be in their data set. And certain groups will be marginalized or even erased. She's talking about how companies are only going to go and cater to the subscribers now. And I just, I haven't seen this. Porsche still sells cars one at a time, even though <laughs> they offer Porsche drive. Um, and, and, and I'm like, where are the examples of this? And um, the, the fact of the matter is the bottom is always more lucrative than the top of the market. I mean, Walmart is bigger than, you know, uh, Neiman Marcus and McDonald's is bigger than the French laundry. Mm-hmm. There's more money to be made at the bottom of the period. That's pyramid. That's always been true. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mass markets are just, they're more profitable. And um, I just, this is kind of ridiculous. This whole argument, you know, and, and I have to say, I, I'm, I was just, as we were talking here, I was looking for a particular line in this piece that I can no longer find. <laughs> oh, no. She, oh, no, no. It's in here. It's in here. Okay. okay. Uh, now I just found it. She says, for example, a car wash might charge non-subscribers double or make them a deal with with longer wait times. Transaction okay. costs. Uh, oh, oh, transaction costs, right. Is it, she could have written the sentence this way. Or, for example, a car wash wants subscribers pay half the price or allow them guaranteed shorter wait times. Like, like. <laughs> 
like the Disney <laughs> app that moves you to the front of the line or allows you to book multiple appointments for rides. That's right. It's, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. That that's in, the subscription economy has only increased choice. Uh, yeah, I, I th- she, she looks at it as it, it completely in the negative. So anyway, yeah, but 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 you're right. Now, one th- thing that you pointed out, the headline. In all fairness, I don't know how much Miss uh, P- Pandy has over the headline. Sometimes the headlines are written by editors, so I just wanted to Absolutely. throw that out there. So Absolutely, I doubt she wrote the headline. Yeah, yeah. I, I got. I got to say. Everything I've read from Axios, because, you know, the way they lay it out, why this matters, and they, they tell you what they tell you, and then they tell you why it matters. And, mm-hmm. like, who's this written for, four-year-olds? <laughs> like, it, I mean, this is just unbelievable to me. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. So, well, Ed, I, I wanted to get that off the table, but thanks, Hector, for sending that in and, and raising our blood pressure. So we <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which Ron already puts us up against our fresh break. So I want to remind those of you that you can send an email to Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. We have our Patreon channel available at patreon.com slash TSOE. If you want don't want to listen to Greg Kite yelling at you during the commercials, uh, you can hear the show commercial free as well as our bonus episodes out on patreon.com slash TSOE at a certain level, you can get a shout out and like Geraldine Carter did Geraldine Carter, a business strategy for CPAs podcast. Check that out at GeraldineCarter.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor, bookskeepingfranchise.com, bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855-935-2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com.
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing the subscription economy update for this year. And Ed, we got a great, uh, well, I got a direct message from Andrew on LinkedIn back November 1st. So it took us a while to get to this, but it'll be worth the wait, Andrew. Hopefully we'll see. He said, Hey Ron, I'm a massive fan and absolutely love Time's Up. I recently started a subscription-based Sonic branding agency. And I think this is so cool. You know, the little music that plays when you see Intel, you know, mm-hmm. they always play that little, that that's, I think that's what Sonic branding is. If, if I'm, if I'm right about that, Andrew, but that is just so cool that, you know, most brands try and have a, a noise associated with them or a sound associated with them. He says, mm-hmm. my big issue is that I'm still not sure how to price my work as a subscription, even though I've been working in my field for almost 20 years. I'm testing rates right now, but I know I'm leaving potentially thousands on the table with each job. The inconsistency in my work makes it challenging for me to price effectively. For reference, some clients need my work weekly, some biannually. Some clients budget a couple thousand dollars for sound work, while others budget tens of thousands of dollars. Could you do a podcast with examples of how businesses have priced their services based work effectively, based on building consistency within inconsistent markets? Thank you so much for taking the time to read this. Keep up the good work. And I've already kind of corresponded with Andrew a little bit and gave him my knee-jerk reaction. But to me, Ed, you know, consistent customers, this goes right to strategy and positioning. Mm -hmm. This is not a pricing question, or at least it shouldn't be yet. We've got to figure out what is the strategy, you know, where are you playing, where are you bringing your strengths, who's your ideal customer, all of those things that we talk about, what strategy is, and then, of course, positioning, you know, Tim Williams be something for someone, mm-hmm. someone specific, but it's got to be specific because strategy you're defined by the customers you don't have and the services you don't provide. And I think that's, that's where we need to go first before we can answer any type of pricing here. It, uh, as you're rereading and I had read the email previously, uh, what struck me was the, f- the fact that even in something that has niche as what is it sonic branding sonic branding yep so that you would you would think that by definition okay that's niche <laughs> you know yep. sonic and branding is two circles on the venn diagram <laughs> yep but 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 there's always that third circle which is who is the customer that he is going after is it the thousand dollars one and done or is it the twenty thousand dollars a month top level brand and I think that's the great insight of Tim Williams is it's not just, uh, you know, and the fourth is, of course, the calling, which he seems to have down, which is sonic branding. Right. But right. to say, what are the customer? What's the customer segment that he wants to go through within whatever he does, which is this sonic branding piece? And I think that that's the important thing that that Andrew might be missing here is in a way he's trying to be McDonald's and Ruth's Chris and a vegan restaurant 
supersonic brands. Right. And as Tim also teaches, a brand can only stand for one thing. So if he wanted to go after both sides of this market with these types of customers, he could do it under two different brands. Yes. I, and I have the name, Andrew. One is Sonic Brands. The other is Sonic Boom Brands. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic Plus. <laughs> uh, but, you know, strategy, let, let me define that. One definition of strategy I really like, Ed, comes from this book, Playing to Win, by A.G. Laffley, the former Procter & Gamble CEO, and Roger Martin, who I've Really, I've, I've really come to appreciate this Canadian business professor, Roger Martin, known about him for a long time, but have been diving into his work more recently. And they say strategy is an integrative set of choices that positions you on a playing field of your choice so that you can flourish. And I really like that because it, it's a theory. It's not a plan. A plan is we're going to do this, this, and this, but a theory, you go to the market you're not sure if the customers are going to go for it, but you're going to go after this specific market because this jibes with my strengths. So I guess my first question uh, would be, Andrew, if I, I would ask you the Peter Drucker, you know, planned abandonment question, mm -hmm. if you weren't already in this market, would you enter it? And I'm not talking about sonic branding. I'm talking about these two segments of customers that you've identified, the big guys and the little guys, right? Uh, if you weren't in those markets, if you didn't serve those markets today, would you enter it? And if the answer is no, well, then maybe dropping one of those and going for the other one is the better strategy here. And, and that's so relevant, Run to the conversation that's being had right now around CAS. You know, and, and my my question when I speak before these audiences is, what does your A stand for? Does it stand for accounting? Does it stand for advisory? advisory. And, 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 and the answer I always get most often is it depends on which customer we're dealing with. And the pushback that I usually get is, well, we want to do the advisory. We just want to do the advisory, but we have too many people who have come to us with just accounting. Right. I just, and to, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I just listened to a podcast that where a guy's talking about a tax practice that he's built and, you know, he, he really enjoys going after the court, you know, the people with entities, you know, corporations. And then of course you do the owner's returns, maybe their family or whatever, but he says, but we're getting so many uh, requests for individual 10 And I'm like, Whoa, Ty, I, I wanted to yell through the radio. You'll know, knock it off. Don't do that mm -hmm. because you can't, you're, you're going to end up with a Dan Morris problem. You're going to be talking to some business owner, trying to charge them, you know, 200 grand a year. And they're going to look at you and go, don't you do my brother-in-law's tax return for $300 a year? Mm -hmm. Dan had to say yes. And that's when he decided to do express tax, spin out those low value customers, put them in a separate entity, a separate brand, separate office, put mm -hmm. enrolled agents in charge of it and, and, you know, uh, dis disembowel it from the mothership. And that was a beautiful strategy because it was just sucking up too much capacity. Mm -hmm. You can't be all things to all people. It, 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 like Tim Williams says, you have to put yourself in a box because if you don't have a box, it means if you're diversified, that's the essence of no strategy. That it, it means you don't know what you're doing. We're trying to, we're trying to do everything for everyone mm -hmm. and you can't do that. 
Yeah, and I, the story that he once told, and I think it's it's gone up a little bit, but the, Hewlett Packard had I don't know seventy five thousand SKU stop keeping units yes. on its on its website, and 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 Apple at any one time has seventy five, right? <laughs> seventy five active SKUs. <laughs> I still think that's true. By the way, um, mm-hmm. which, which is amazing when you think about it. Yeah, Tim Tim loves to say no box. Not putting yourself in a box means no strategy. Diversification diversification is what we do when we don't know what to do. It's a lack of focus that imposes a complexity tax. So HP and this guy taking on all these individual 1040s is going to pay a complexity tax. Every mm-hmm. customer you add adds complexity to your firm. This is kind of it, it systems thinking too, right? It's going to reduce the flow. You can have more things to touch, pick up. Uh, you know, divert your attention from multitask to, and, um, the, 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 the financial rewards just aren't there as opposed to being really well-focused and really well-niched. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and let's just talk about some of the benefits of, of that focus. Um, when you're focused and, and I, you know, we always bring up medical examples or I do anyway, cause I think it's so clarifying, but you know, everybody knows what a general physician can and can't do, right? You might not know everything, but you have a good idea that if you need some type of surgery, you're not going to go to your GP. You might go to him to ask, who should I go to? But I mean, a GP is defined by what they don't do. And um, the benefits of that is a well-defined criteria for identifying the types of customers who want you for what you do best. And I just don't think you can play at both ends of the market. Right. You have to play and, and speak the language of the, of your target audience, a stronger win ratio when soliciting new business, because you're playing to your strengths. That's part of the strategy, clear hiring standards for the kind of people you need to reinforce your firm's brand. So it makes, it makes, I think it makes attracting talent easier if all you do is you know work in the music industry or the restaurant business, you're going to attract people who are passionate about those those industries. A website and new business materials that present you exactly as exactly the right firm for the right kinds of customers. Now you're you're choosing your customers rather than chasing your customers. A business development program based on a meaningful unifying theme. You have more pricing power because you'll be offering more differentiated services and a better experience and ultimately a clearer direction for how your firm should spend its limited attention, money, and resources. And that is, as we always talk about, that's one of the limiting constraints is executive attention. Yeah. I I think that that, that's terrific. It it just, just again, goes to show that the, the, the the notion of being, being niched, there's not a moral component to it, Ron. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I tend to prefer to serve the larger, the higher end market. That's like a luxury brand that, that would, that would be my natural inclination to do that. But there's nothing wrong with saying, no, I'm going to serve 150, 250, 300 customers at the low end. Absolutely. And going after that—that's that, that, a perfectly fine strategy. It just—you just can't do both. <laughs> you can't do both. That's it. That that that's the key. And and I, and by the way, I did send that short 
answer that, that that was the gist of it, you know, back to Andrew. And he came back and said something I thought that was pretty profound. I, I didn't print it, but so it's not in front of me. So I'm paraphrasing here, Andrew, but he said, he said, wow. He said that, that this really brings up people's insecurities and fears, doesn't it? Because we don't want to turn anything away. No. And that's, that's the big thing. And, and especially when people are coming to you, they're asking for you. We need you. You know, my accountant died or my accountant fired me. And yeah, that feels great. And you want to help people. But if it's not the right fit, there's no way to price the wrong customer. Yeah. There's, there's no way. And I don't care how, how high the price is. I really, I mean, that, that turns us into Dave, what David Mason used to say, the oldest profession. That's not the criteria. The yeah. criteria is what's your strategy and where do you play and where are your strengths and, you know, what are you trying to build? And so, Andrew, we're not saying that you can't go after both segments that you've identified in your question here. We're just saying if you do that, you might want to consider doing it under two completely different brands. You know, it's kind of like the Ogilvy. I love the uh, Ogilvy Red, which does the high ideation strategy work. And then the Ogilvy Factory that, you know, does all the point of sale and website design and the more commodified work or the the more logic work, as Tim Williams, Williams calls it. Yep. Magic and logic. Great stuff. All right, Ron. Well, we're against the next break already. So I want to remind our listeners that they can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, that's A-S-K-T-S-O-E at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise for previews to upcoming shows as well as show notes. We have a new sponsor, relatively new sponsor, Bookskeeping Franchise. Check them out at bookskeepingfranchise.com and listen to their commercials in our next break. Well, of course, I want to remind our folks that, that we do have a Patreon channel available at patreon.com slash TSOE. That Patreon channel is sponsored by 90 Minds. Need a mind? Find one at 90minds.com. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials commercials plus bonus content go to patreon.com slash tsoe subscribe now and be free you're worth it streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com 
were tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are talking about subscription economy update for 2023 today on The Soul of Enterprise. And Ron, I, I wanted to bring up what I thought was really the subscription release of the year, as far as I'm concerned, for 2023. And believe it or not, this was uh, uh, from CNN. CNN has unveiled an exciting new subscription that blocks all CNN programming from viewing uh, at a low, low price of $15 a month. So all you have to do is pay $15 and you will never see another article from CNN, a broadcast or anchor. Um, Sadly, this was from the Babylon Bee. I was ready. I was looking where to sign up. My my only question was, does it work in airports? <laughs> Can you hit a button in an airport and turn off all the TVs? So, but uh, there there's got to be a business out there for negative subscriptions, Ron. There's, I mean, I, I mean, I, I totally think there's got to be a way uh, for negative subscriptions. And it really, well, well, we'll talk about it as something else I heard on the bonus episode that's related to that in presidential elections. But in, in all seriousness, in one of the places where subscription has really just taken off in the last five years is gaming. And I don't know if you've seen some of these some of these charts on Active Activision, uh, what they've done in in game subscription and other versus their product sales. There's product sales have first of all tanked to about half of what they were and have flatlined since, but subscription, holy moly, has tripled since 2015. So in in nine years, the subscription service has tripled for gaming. And now this is why Microsoft got, you know, $69 billion to acquire Activision Blizzard. I I mean, the numbers are just absolutely astounding when you think about it. And I can tell you this from experience, the the kids, maybe because they're not paying for it on their own, but I think this is true of younger adults as they move into adulthood. They love this model. They absolutely love this model. You get the latest gaming equipment, and often in some cases, you get the the latest games. You get previews. So, gaming, man, hat tip to them. They have really figured it out. That's probably another place that we should spend more time looking at and thinking because I think they they've really figured stuff out. And they have all kinds of levels where you get bonus type stuff, both in game as well as in real life. You know, they'll send you um, outfits and clothes and all, all kinds of stuff and access to their stores. So it's it's really an incredible uh, niche market that has figured subscription out in a big time way. Wow. You know, it's so funny you bring this up because today's episode on NPR on point was about the gaming industry and how what's the number three billion people. It's bigger than Hollywood. It's mm-hmm. bigger than sports mm-hmm. as an industry. I mean, and this thing just kind of grew behind everybody's back. At least mine it was like, Hold. I know Russ Roberts has done some shows on this, on the economics of gaming. But um, one of the things they were talking about is how, but they're still like, they're, they're kind of retrenching their number of employees. Mm-hmm. They've been firing people. And of course, NPR's take was, this is terrible. You know, we got to think about the people making these games and they're under duress. They have deadline pressures and all of this stuff. And it's like, 
well, I got news for you. Electronic arts doesn't exist to create a job. <laughs> it exists to create a customer, you know, and these games are real long-term investments apparently. And so some of the thinking is what well, they need to make smaller games that aren't so elaborate with, you know, and, and get them to the market quicker. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh expert in any of that, but it, it is an amazingly large industry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, the opposite, and this was earlier this year, I think these numbers have turned around a little bit, but this was a big Wall Street Journal piece back in April of, of this year. People are sick and tired of, of all their subscriptions by Rachel Wolf and Imani Moisha. Uh, and this, just reading quickly from the article here, for two straight quarters, cancellations have outpaced new subscriptions for digital, digital memberships, Food of the Month Club, and host of other purchases, according to personal finance app Rock, Rocket Money. Now, of course, they have the vested interest because the Rocket Money app is cancels you from subscription. Right, right like right. through Bill and some right, of those other apps. Right. That, yeah. Yep. So streaming services have been particularly impacted with cancellations for Next, Netflix, Hulu, and HBO Max and others up 49% in 2022 from the previous year. So just, yeah, you know, and I think th- this, is, this is a challenge, but I think in retrospect, I, I wonder how much of this was due to the fact that if you overlay the shutdowns shut down from COVID on two axes. One, we didn't have anything else to do. So we we're like, yes, let me subscribe out of the stuff and watch as much content as I possibly can. But also overlay the fact that new content for what, 18 months was not created. And I think this is the, something else that was impacting this is because people are like, um, I'm not seeing anything new. I've watched all of the episodes of, of Suits or whatever that I want. I'm not seeing any new material, so I'm going to cancel. And will that invert itself at, at a certain point when we get the, the new stuff that starts? Because we're just starting to see the stuff that was produced right after the COVID shutdown that's now making it back out. And of course, there'll probably be another slowdown because of the writer's strike. <laughs> and, and right. you know, so that might be a cyclical thing. So I'm just, I mean, nothing's monocausal, but I think both of those two things probably had a pretty big impact on it. I will say this, and I, I want to get your reaction both to, to this journal article, but also just in general. I think that perhaps we're getting subscription fatigue at the consumer level to some degree, and maybe because we oversubscribed in certain areas. But I don't see that happening among businesses. In fact, the more and more businesses I talk to, the more and more say to me, no, I love the predictability of it. Uh, This is what Brian Taylor is hearing from from his customers that he's closing. I love the fact that it's predictable. He he told me a story when I was with him last. He says the last two presentations that he did, the, 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 the folks that he was presenting to could not believe what he was offering. Like they... They, they could not process it. They kept coming back. Like, that's just it. That all you, you're all you're going to do is it's going to be whatever the monthly money is. And that for, m- amount was. For, for, yes, that's it. But what if we do this? No, that's covered. You see, that was listed as covered. No, that's covered. No, that's covered. Brian, are you sure it's just that, like they uh, they, it, it took, he said, uh, I couldn't pr- pr- push it through. They, they, they really had a tough time just com- comprehending it. That it was, and I so I think this the the opportunity is still ripe for business, as far as I'm concerned. No, I think that's exactly right. And um, the last numbers I saw from the Zora Institute on churn, and it was right after we were coming out of COVID. Um, they said that B to B a B to C churn was something like ten percent, twelve percent, somewhere in there. 
but B to B churn was around 5%. So, and, and I think to the extent that people churn business subscriptions, Ed, especially with some of these apps and things is it's not so much because they get tired of the app. It's maybe they've switched to a new one or maybe they don't need it anymore, or maybe they have too many, <laughs> you know, they're just, their tech stack is too thick and they're trying to uh, streamline it. Five percent is not an outrageous number to think that just went out of business on a regular on a on a regular basis. No, it's not. And, and plus, <laughs> you know, we talk about this all the time. But the subscription moves things from capex to opex, makes it makes things more predictable. Usually, saves cash flow, especially when you have a big upfront project like Brian does. You know, going in and installing Intact or a CRM mm-hmm. or whatever, and he's doing that the normal subscription uh, price and. People can't get what I'm finding. The pushback that I'm getting when I present this is, and it, it all revolves around the transactional mindset that we fee for service. We're trading dollars for services, dollars mm-hmm. for services. No, you're not. This is a different profit formula over here with subscription. You're building mm-hmm. lifetime annuities. The services are incidental. You're just doing what you do. Now you're defined by what you do and what you don't do, but you're doing what you do, whatever they need, and you're covered. It's 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 not costing you anything. It's part of your infrastructure. This is the whole portfolio pricing, and I think that tra- from transactional to lifetime value is a huge gap, Grand Canyon size gap to get people's mm-hmm. mind around because they can't they can't and I and I think this infects even consultants to our profession. And dare I say it, even pricing consultants to our profession, they don't understand that this has got a different profit formula. Still, still, <laughs> still, it is, is, as long as we've been banging the high spoons, you know, on the, on the, on the high stool, uh, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just a different mindset. Mm-hmm. People can't get their head off of scope of work, scope of work. I mean, even in, in, no offense, Andrew, but even in Andrew's question, you know, yeah, we've got some spending 20 grand a year and others spending, you know, a thousand dollars a year. How do I, how do I justify that scope? Well, it's not really a pricing question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we're not saying that you can't have offerings, but I I, I vamp a little bit. Well, you know, maybe we'll do do this after the break. It'd probably be a little bit better, but I do have a question for you, Ron, that I think uh, might be, might be of interest to our audience. So we'll, we'll, we'll resume with that. But right now we want to remind everybody they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Yes, of course, the website is the soul of enterprise. We can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows. I'd like to remind everybody that Ron has a new book out. There are commercials playing for it, but check out Time's Up. Go out to the Time's Up Club, timesupclub.com, where you can get some really neat goodies there, including some chapter summaries of interviews of both Ron and his co-author, Paul. Uh, You might recognize the interviewer if you go check that out. Uh, But I'd like to hear from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. 
Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing the subscription economy update. Ned, before we get going here, I have some great news. I've, I've, uh, I'd like to invite folks to attend the successful bookkeeping virtual summit it takes place next week, December 7th and 8th. I'm honored to be speaking at this event where we'll be talking about the subscription business model and how and how it can be a game changer for you. Um, the summit will feature many terrific speakers. I know Mark Wickersham is, is in the lineup and others, and we'll have a link in the show notes where you can register for this conference. There is a free option available, so it doesn't cost anything, and I hope to see you there. Um, so Ed, you had a question. I did. I did. So the, and I, we we've explored this in, in a number of different cases, but I don't know whether we've ever talked about it on the radio show per se. And back in in the value pricing days, we were big believers in offering three choices. Um, that we really felt that that was the the sweet spot. The you know what, you want to call it Goldilocks pricing, right? What, what, whatever whatever metaphor you want to use. But you've come to, I don't know if it's conclusion, but your, your thinking has evolved now that with subscription, you're not quite sure if we really need three. You think that two might be sufficient. Is that, is that, is that the latest thinking from you? It is. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced that you need three anymore because subscription, again, is such a different business model. And because we're moving away from scope of work, let's face it, when you look at people's three options, um, you know, of a firm that value prices, what's the difference between those three options? It's going to be scope of work. Now, there may be some things in there about turnaround time or start dates or completion dates, things like that. But for the most part, the more you pay, the more services you get. And that's exactly what we're trying to move away from. We're trying to tier pricing that's not dependent upon a scope of work. Because in the DPC model, in the concierge doctor model, you're covered for anything that you need that we can do. 
Now, I do think, Ed, there would be some creative ways to still offer tiers. I'm not convinced you need three. I think you could do two. But let, let's talk about some of those examples. For instance, you could do um, based on where the business is in its life cycle. So there'd be a tier, a subscription tier for startups. There might be one for growth uh, stage companies, you know, that are in ra- the, that are in rapid growth mode, and there might be one for those companies that are in mature and decline mode. Now, if you have all those businesses under one brand, I think that's more of a strategy problem. But that would be one way to think about it, where you wouldn't have to, you know, the the tier would be automatic, just like ages for a doctor, right? Whatever your age is might determine your your price. Same thing here. Or you could do your famous distinction, pair of hands, expertise, collaborators. Could could you see how you could tier based around that as opposed to a specific scope of work? Yeah, certainly. I mean, and I think it's 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 a little bit towards scope of work because if you're if you're a collaborator versus a pair of hands, that you 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 might be getting a tiny bit bit into into scope. But um, I, I, I I tend to agree with you. Also, how about this? Would you say that the option having two choices is certainly in play when the default third option is freemium? Yeah, if you offer a freemium, absolutely. And and you know, I've been been I've been waiting to see an accounting firm offer a freemium somewhere. Have you seen one? I haven't. No, but I, but but this is but there, I think that this is something that could could evolve in the accounting space and in the CAS space. Certainly, uh, let me just throw this out. I've t- I've been thought, thinking about this ever since cloud accounting first really got going. The notion of of accounting in the cloud, um, and now with with the advent of artificial intelligence units being able to go through the data here's here's your free you can use our system as long as you allow us to use add your data to our data set that we're going to use for our artificial intelligence agent right right because the data is probably more valuable than getting paid 20 bucks a month <laughs> you, could, you, you could have a you know paulo uh, paul kenny used to talk about having a, a um, diy option you know, uh, where you do your own stuff, but w- we might have videos up on our library that you could access to help you code transactions or categorize things or do a bank rack or, or whatever it is. But, you know, it, it's a, it's do it yourself and that could be freemium. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course the goal here is to move people into the firm when their life gets more complex sure. and, and they need more strategic thinking. But is that any different than what McKinsey does with the McKinsey Global Institute, which is their think tank that makes everything available for free, mm-hmm. but that feeds their consulting work, right? Just puts them out there as thought leaders. Right. So yeah, no, I'm not convinced you need three because I think with, with, with the subscription model with, and, and you know, it's this whole idea of a flat price. And, and I know we've talked about this idea between usage pricing and flat rate pricing and remember that article that we talked about um, that said, well, it depends on who your end user is. Right. If you if your end users and what was it, a person versus another uh, a versus computer, a thing, yeah, versus mm-hmm. a thing, mm-hmm. um, then you know, and and you know, you brought up some really good points about that, but I, I want to put in the flat rate pricing bias because I think this trumps a lot, and I think this calls for, I, I think this makes a strong argument for 
one one price fits all and at one price <laughs> no extra usage pricing no add-ons no a la carts if you need it and we do it you're covered and the flat rate pricing bias and this is behavioral economics they've identified three things first off why do consumers or why do business people why do humans let's put it that way why do humans gravitate to flat pricing well because we overestimate Oh, we overestimate our usage. You know, we think we're going <laughs> to eat more than we do at the all you can eat buffet, or we buy more data for our cell phone plan than we need, or we buy the unlimited data, right? Right. Because we don't want to worry about it. Yep. We don't want to worry about it. We don't. And that, that leads to the second bias, which is the taxi cab meter effect. You know, the feeling of being nickeled and dimed. I think that is huge in today's world. That every time you turn around, you're being nickel and dime for a fee. I just saw somebody complain. They they took a photo of the Casa Bonita bill. There's like a service fee on top of the flat rate price. There's like a $29 service fee. And then down below, there's a PIF fee. I have no idea what that stands for. And it was like $299. And it's like the guy was pissed off about these fees. And it's all it's like, God, I want to go to Stone and Parker and go, you guys just build this into your price. Yeah. Knock this off. It pisses people off. And, and especially in the professional space where you just don't expect it. And then the last one is the insurance effect. I'm not sure how much I'm going to use. I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm going to use. I'm not sure when I'm going to use it. So you, you have removed the risk for me by saying Mm -hmm. you're covered. And that's the insurance effect. And people will pay a premium for insurance. And, and I think these three things can build a price premium that more than justifies it, again, across the portfolio. Yeah. Uh, on the, the fees thing, I read an interesting piece a couple of weeks ago, Ron, especially this with, with, with regard to airlines and why they've they've separated all of these things out, the additional baggage, all of this stuff actually has to do with with regulation and taxation. Yep. We had a show. We had a, a bonus episode on that. Uh, Dominic Pino wrote about yeah. that, the taxes. Yeah. And I still don't like what the airlines are doing, even though I know they're giving preference to their preferred flyers, but I still think it's nickel and diming. Maybe they can re-educate their customers again on it. But I, you know, like, do you like the resort fees in a hotel? I mean, that just pisses me off. Just build it into the room price. Well, so, but again, again, but again, the, the, fun, the function here to me is, it's the, it's the problem. The problem is tax, the ta- taxation is that if, if you build it into the fee, it's taxed at the higher, it's, it's taxed at the higher rate. So what the, the reason why they're having this additional baggage is because it's not, the, it's not part of your airline fee. So it's not subject to the same taxation level that the, you're actually flying. So if I fly your bag there, it's a different, different price. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. I get, I totally get it. In fact, one of the pushbacks. I got from an accountant who lives in a state that taxes CPAs and subscriptions and tax services. She says, if it's a subscription, it's going to get taxed. I said, well, what's the tax? 8%. Okay. We'll build the 8% into the price and go down the road, you know, yeah. but, but it, it is a mental block for people because I, you know, we don't like to be nickel and dimed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I wholly, wholly agree with that it's an important issue. Well, Ron, we're, I think we've reached, reached the end here doing a pretty good deal. What do we got coming up next week? Wow. Next week, Ed, we're going to talk to Chelsea. Is it Chelsea or Chelsea? Chelsea. Chelsea. Chelsea, yep. Chelsea Follett, who wrote the book Centers of Progress, 40 Cities That Changed the World. 
I'm I'm about two thirds of the way through this book, and it, it's a great read. It takes you around the world. She's identified forty cities um, that made major contributions, and I just am dying to talk to her. I think it's a fascinating book. Well, I look forward to reading it. So I'll see you in 157 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com for more information and our show notes, including uh, previews to upcoming shows. Also, if you want to contact me or Ed, send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.